Hey, welcome in. Stinky Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schler. Millennium been producing the show. I want to thank our uh, presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Michael, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Super Bowl is in the books and uh, heck of a game. Controversial finish. Yeah, it was it. I mean, it was a hell of a game. It was a great game. And yeah, it was a, you know, fairly, I don't know, controversial um Mark, it was controversial. Yeah, it was controversial. I hated. I I don't know about. It. Well, where where were you? I I hated. I absolutely hated the call. Hated it. Hated it. Uh, it 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 took a game that just you felt like it was building to something really really climactic, and then once the the flag was thrown, you understood how the rest of the game was going to play out. Kansas City was going to milk the clock, kick the field goal, game mm. over, and it just it just felt like the air got left let out of the balloon. Yeah, here's the deal for me. Um, and you know, I mean, James Bradbury came out and said, yeah, I helped. I grabbed it. Um, all right. That that's fine. You know, and then everybody on Kansas City, see, I told you so. See, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it, it just, here's why I found it ridiculous. There was not one illegal contact or one holding call on either defense over the course of the entirety of that game. So you're telling me that never happened? Of course it happened. I went through the film. It, it happened, you know, three or four times on each side, okay, that, that could have been called that weren't called. And I know as a former player, used to figure out how refs and how certain refs, we had scouting reports on how the, how the officiating crews called penalties. We'd, we'd have scouting reports on the crews. And so you get a feel for how a crew is calling penalties. And it's very much like I heard this story about Greg Maddox back in the day and how Greg would say, hey, man, I would establish the plate in the first in the first uh, inning. Go, man, I would throw one in the inside, you know, or outside third of the plate. Get a call for a strike, okay? Now I go to the black. Get a call for a strike. Great. Now I go an inch outside. Ump calls it for a strike. Great. I go two inches outside. Ump calls it for a strike. Great. I go three, four inches outside. It's ball. Okay? We've established the plate. Now I know where the plate is. And what I expect from you is in the ninth inning or in the seventh inning when I'm when I'm cruising, that that is the same plate that I get calls in the first inning, in the second inning, in the third inning. Better be the same for the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Understood? We're, we, you know, we're, we're dialed in together on this. And the hitters understand that too. And the hitters are, on, as, and it won't hitters say the same thing absolute, as long as it's consistent. Uh, absolutely. So as long as I know where the strike zone is, as long as I know where it's been established, then you see hitters do it all the time. They look at oh, oh, that was a strike. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that better be a strike for my guy too. Right. See catchers talk to guys. Yep. All right. If that was a strike, it better be a strike for yep. my pitcher. Yep. Good. We, we are are we on the same page here? Simpatico. Yes. Nod the head. Move on. So you're telling me that it hasn't been called the entirety of the game and a little ticky-tack, and I know Kansas City guy is like, hey, a foul's a foul. A foul's a foul. There's no question about it. Like, that was old. He even said it was old, so you got to call it. You got No, you don't have to call it. Wasn't called the entirety of the game. And now all of a sudden, Johnny Law from Kansas City is going to come in here. Sorry, folks. Uh, excuse me. You know why I pulled you over, right? You know why. You were going 27 in a 25, and that's just not going to fly in my town. 
You're getting it. I hope you all get tickets. Johnny Law, by the way, sounds like, sorry, folks, park's closed. Yeah, it did. It did kind of sound that way. So, I mean, that, like, to me, all of a sudden, a call that hasn't been made, and there were far more egregious fouls that happened. Far more egregious fouls that happened that uh, that didn't get called a penalty. Now, all of a sudden, with a minute 54, we're going to make that call. Where do you come down on the idea, because this is how I feel, that in, in, in a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, whatever, right. I, I firmly believe in the idea of the officials swallowing the whistle. That what was called a penalty in the first quarter isn't called in the fourth. And I'm okay with that because I do want the game decided by the players, not a whistle. Where do you come down yeah. on that? So I, I come down on I want it called consistently throughout the game. I don't want you to swallow the whistle. If there's a flag, hey, man, in this in the Super Bowl 32 that I played in, the final drive where we scored to go ahead on, on the game, we got a holding call. Dropped us, drove us back. We had to overcome that call. Like, I don't have any problem with that. And, by the way, the Green Bay Packers also got a call that they had to overcome in their final drive. And then, obviously, fourth down, John Mobley knocks it away and the Broncos win the Super Bowl. But I don't have any problem with with calling it as long as it's called consistently. But if you're telling me throughout the entirety of the game, nothing was considered holding or nothing was considered illegal contact. And like I said, I went through, I went through and just kind of perused the game back on the coaches film. And I saw, you know, I saw three or four on each side that easily could have been called that weren't called. And so you've established that as a officiating crew and I just don't think you call that at that particular point in the game based upon the fact that you haven't called it all game long. That's all. So, I mean, if we want to call everything, like here's, here's for, you know, for the Kansas City guys, like, nope, but you got to follow the rules. That's the, like, if you want to call everything, you're talking about a seven-hour game. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just, that's just the way it goes. So that's the part, that's the part that bothered me. Now, here's the deal. Because I'm not one of those guys, one penalty cost you a game. Kansas City came out in the second half and opened a can of whoop-ass on Philadelphia. Can I give you some quick stats here before yeah. you go on? Uh, no no turnovers. Right. No sacks allowed. Right. No penalties. Right. No interceptions, no fumbles. They had one incompletion, and that was on a throwaway. That's right. it. And They no, played a flawless right. second half. And didn't punt. And no punts. And no punts. And so at some point, you've got to figure out a way to get off the football field. At some point, you got to make a play. And, you know, I know they went after Vic Fangio, and they got Vic Fangio on a two-week contract and all this stuff. Dude, at some point, when you're getting it shoved in your mouth, like shoved down your mouth, at some point, you got to stand up and say, I've had enough. I'm bringing the house. I'm bringing more than you can defend or more than you can block. And I'm going to hit your quarterback. Now, you may get us for a long touchdown. You may. But, damn it, I am just not going to – I'm not going to die by death by a thousand paper cuts. I'm sorry. I would rather I would rather bleed out on a on just a gaping wound than just get a million paper cuts and somebody pour lemon juice in them. So, with that said, Kansas City won it. They went out and dominated the second half, and Philadelphia didn't have an answer. And – you know, the strength of the Philadelphia Eagles, that running game, that offensive line, 
I mean, Kansas City shut their butts down. What were the adjustments that you could tell? Well, I will tell you that that when you look at what they did, they played tight to the line of scrimmage. They did a great job of playing tight to the line of scrimmage, um, aggressive up front, like taking the fight to the to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they played a ton of zone coverage, and they were great. So one. Tight line of scrimmage, they disrupted just about every route. Nobody got a free nobody got free access into the second level or into the secondary. Everybody had to go through a jam. And I, I will tell you this for Kansas City, most of every jam was legal inside five yards. And it was physical, man. Like really physical. They did a great job. And then the big thing is after you jam like that, it stops you most of the time from getting the depth that you need or getting into the area from a zone standpoint where you're supposed to be. So every guy has, you know, zone principles where you're supposed to be in space. And Kansas City, whether it were the linebackers or whether it was the nickel guys or the edge players, the slot players, they jammed the crap out of those receivers and then they flew and got the depth and got to where they needed to be to take away easy access throws. So I thought Steve Spagnola, you know, Spags, um, I thought he did a phenomenal job having his guys coached up. And I thought Kansas City played exceptionally well in that second half. Um, and they tackled well. They Like, they did everything you got to do to win a football game. Okay, so what will be Philadelphia's season-long or off-season-long lament? Where will they go back? Where will Nick Sirianni go back and look at and say, God, geez. Yeah. Kick myself for this. Right. I think that ultimately when you are a team that runs the ball exceptionally well and you're not running it exceptionally well, you got to find you got to find whatever the play is. I always say find one thing. Find one thing that you can do. One matchup that you can win and just pile drive it. Now, I'll give Andy Reid credit. Andy Reid lost a Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in which he refused to run the football with a broken-down offensive line. Isaiah Pacheco was phenomenal. I mean phenomenal. They continued to run the ball. Isaiah Pacheco, in the first half, had five carries. Five. Okay? Now, in the second half, you come into that game down by ten. The second half, he had... Um, he had 10 carries in the second half. He averaged over five yards a carry. And in the first drive, the first touchdown drive, they came out of the locker room. They hadn't possessed the ball in real time in over an hour and a half. They came out of the locker room. Handoff, handoff, handoff. First down, it went Isaiah Pacheco for seven, Isaiah Pacheco for, for two, Jarek McKinnon for 14, then it went pass, then like run, run, pass, run, pass, run, touchdown. Like you came out in a game you were down by 10 and said, we're going to establish our running game. Total they, anti, like total anti Okay, Andy okay. But does he do that if Mahomes is 100% healthy? Maybe not. Maybe so not. Did, in that case, right. did the ankle – Right, really helped Kansas City. Well, it it may have. 
Um, but he did have plenty of time in the locker room, plenty of time, you know, to retape and to do those things. I just, I just found it interesting that Kansas City beats you kind of in your own game, mm-hmm. and um, and then you know their ability to do that, and and you know I've always said this, and I said this going in all the stuff I did on Fox over the course of the week, um, was there's a formula for beating Kansas City, and that formula is possessing the ball and eliminating opportunities with the football for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And at the end of the first half, Philadelphia possessed it for 20 minutes, Kansas City for 10. They had a 10-point lead at halftime. They they did exactly what was supposed to be done. They eliminated opportunities. Kansas City had the ball four drives. The, The typical NFL game is 12 possessions. They had, I think Kansas City had eight possessions, maybe seven. They had it four times in the second half. They scored on all four. Uh-huh. It could have been four touchdowns. It was three touchdowns and a field goal, but they could have been four touchdowns. I mean, you think about, like, what they came out and did. Was it more than – was it four touchdowns and a field goal? Whatever it was, it was, like, they absolutely crushed them. And um, I, I just – very impressed with you know with their ability to respond the way they played both offensively and defensively and you know part of that was Kansas City just imposing their will and part of that was obviously Philadelphia not answering the answering the bell after halftime so where are we at now with Patrick Mahomes got Ryan Clark of ESPN a FOS friend of stinks saying mm-hmm. this guy's now the third greatest quarterback of all time he ranks yeah. only behind Brady in Montana. He's 27, Mark. I know it. So he's that. Forget good. about where you think he'll end up. Where's he at now? Yeah. Well, he's just obviously he's the best quarterback in football right now. And you know, I'll let other people debate where he on the all-time scale of quarterbacks where he he ends up or where he is. But dude is special. And here's all you need to know about guys that are special. When you have a special guy, you know what you can win with? Juju Smith-Schuster. Valdez Scantling. You can win football games with, quote-unquote, lesser talent Mm -hmm. when you've got that guy making those guys special. I remember we had the conversation right here on the podcast back in the summer after Tyreek Hill left. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about what's this going to mean for Kansas City. And I know my opinion at the time was, you know what? The elite quarterbacks, the really special quarterbacks, yeah. they make guys. They make guys. And you know, there, there are still some quarterbacks out there who probably still need to have that really dynamic receiver. But the really, really, really great ones – what what what? Give me what you got, and I'll make them great. Right. And and it was their offense this year. Mahomes' numbers were across the board better this year mm-hmm. without Tyreek Hill than with Tyreek Hill. What does that tell you? Right. Smith Schuster seven catches. Watson two catches. McKinnon three catches. Travis Kelsey obviously big gun six catches eighty one yards. Tony had a catch for a touchdown. Sky Moore had a catch for a touchdown. Scanling didn't even have a catch. And, you know, I mean, honestly, when you look at their receiving core, come on now. 
other than Kelsey, yeah, you'd be hard pressed to say they had a bunch of twos, right? They got a bunch of threes, right? You know, maybe mix in a two in there, but for the most part, he's just that good. Yeah, and I I tell you, man, it it just was it was impressive. You know, you go back and coaches always impress upon you the little things, right? And I go back to one play. It's a third down and one. They line up in that sneak formation. Philadelphia does. And there's no question they're going to get it. They're, they get it every time, right? Like you can't stop that formation. Their right guard flinches. Makes it third down and six. Take the snap, fumble, scoop. And score by Bolton. You can you make an argument. You don't flinch. The details, right? Mm-hmm. The little things. You don't flinch. They possess. They they turn the first down. They possess the ball for another three minutes, at least, maybe more, maybe a touchdown drive, and you probably go into halftime, not down ten, but down seventeen, down twenty. How does that change? the complexity of this game. Like that one little tiny play, you want to boil it down to its essence. That one play. And, I mean, that stuff is, that stuff is cool because it's the stuff you constantly preach about, you know, discipline and, like I said, attention to detail and all those things that are so dramatically important that we all kind of oh we all kind of, oh yeah whatever okay yeah it's just a little offsides man that changed the complexity yeah. of the game and kept the Kansas City Chiefs from getting blown out or at least having to overcome a 17 point or 20 point deficit at halftime you know when you think about Mahomes and, and the presence of Mahomes we we always talk about the idea that you got to find the quarterback. You got to get the great mm-hmm. quarterback. You got to keep up with. You got to get one of those, right? Right. But I don't know. Think about it. Think, think about in in the Chiefs' own division. All right. So you're the Chargers. Uh huh. Right. You got Justin Herbert. Who wouldn't want Justin Herbert, right? Right. But yet, at the end of the day, you still don't have a quarterback. Your quarterback's still not as good as that guy. Mm hmm. Look around the rest of the AFC. Okay, great. You've got uh, Josh Allen. Right. You know what? Evidence still says you you still don't have a quarterback as good as Mahomes. Yeah. You know, the only guy really you could make the argument was Burrow, and he he just got beat. So what what do you do as a team? Is the idea if you're in the AFC that you got to go find that quarterback to go head to head with Mahomes, or do you just have to acknowledge? We're never going to find a quarterback as good as Mahomes, so do we try to win a different way? Yeah. I think I think what you have to – you have to make a concession that, that guy, they're always going to have a better quarterback than you. Right. So the concession is that's, that's the way it is. We've got to build a team mm-hmm. where we can physically dominate them, we can possess the ball, and even doing that perfectly, like the Eagles did for the most part, the majority of that drives. game. They had eight drives. Kansas City eight had eight drives. drives. Yeah. Whole game. That – that game plan played out perfectly, except you couldn't get a stop in the second half. 
You get one stop in the second half, you win that game probably. For all intents and purposes, one stop, one sack, put them in a third and 19, they don't convert. Think about this. Like, go back, because I was at the Super Bowl that they lost or they won against San Francisco. I think they were down 20 to 10 with like six and a half minutes left. I was in the stands, I remember, because I was talking all kinds of smack to Kansas City fans. <laughs> I mean, I, I made it. I had almost had a bunch of 35 year old men crying. <laughs> It was, it was one of virtuoso performance. Right, it was one of my great accomplishments in life. Just a bunch of thirty-year-olds. <laughs> He's a dick, you know. I mean, I was just on him. Then all of a sudden, they hit that wasp play. Some dude got right in my face. Dude, turned around, go, yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, they hit the wasp play. And next thing you know, in six and a half minutes, they scored twenty-one points. I think, right? That like. It just like the turnaround was was shocking. Same thing. You're down. You got your quarterback. You, you, you've done everything you've done. It hasn't really hasn't really panned out. And and you know here, here's the other little things that we talk about that change games. You have the scoop and score off of off of the offsides penalty. You know the flinch. And then you've got the punt return by Kadarius Toney, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history that essentially sets you up for a first and goal to five. Two major gaffes, two major, like, two major issues cost you a game. When your two good teams play, man, those little things. Because you're right. A week oh. ago, you were previewing this here on the podcast, and you said, You've got to shorten the game. You've mm-hmm. got to limit their possessions. Right. You've got to win the time of possession. Dude, they did it. Mm-hmm. Kansas City had eight possessions. That's that's like the bare minimum you can yeah. have if you think you can win a football game. And Philly won the time of possession like 36 to 24. Yeah. They did everything the blueprint said. Yep. And you still lost. And you still lost. And that's, that's the, when you know you. And that's the greatness of Mahomes. That's when you know you're in the presence of it. Because there were plenty of times that a team did that to Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. still lost. There were teams that did it to Tom Brady, still lost. And this, it's funny because it's what I said in Arizona the whole time I was out there. I go, hey, this is the formula, and Philadelphia has the ability to execute this formula. And with that said, all the games, you look at Patrick Mahomes' career, every game he's lost has basically fallen to that formula. But you know what? Even when they've fallen under that formula, they've still won more games that they've lost. Like if you took them all and say, okay, let's say that there were, let's say that there were 12 of those games over the last five years, right? And of those 12, they lost, let's just call it five of them. They won the other seven. Like the formula is there, mm-hmm. but you still gotta you still gotta deal with you unicorn's not even you know unicorn. You find a unicorn, you capture it, and you hold it for you know you, you, to study it. It's not even a unicorn anymore. He's beyond unicorn. Yeah, like what's beyond unicorn? Pegasus? Like what? What's <laughs> what's better than a unicorn? I don't know. I don't know what's better than a unicorn, but whatever it is, that's what he is. This guy's scary. It's scary. I know, and especially for us Broncos I fans, know. right? I, mean, I know. 15 straight losses. To, they don't even 
they really like they patronize us. They don't really even show up. They're like, ho hum, gotta play the Broncos. Whoop de doo, Basil. <laughs> and you know, and they let us hang around and make us feel good about ourselves. Good we loss. Should, good loss. Right. Good competitive we should, loss. Right. Yeah. Good we loss. We should actually be thanking the Kansas City Chiefs for how they've just patted us on the head like little brothers. Yeah. Like, come on. It's like your dad when he let you win like a game of Monopoly, you know, and you felt really good about yourself, <laughs> but deep down inside you knew he really wasn't paying attention. He was just right. Taking just, pity on me. Right. Uh quick thought for Philly. Uh, yeah, it stings, it hurts, mm-hmm. but do they have their guy in Hurts? Did did Hurts answer all the questions? Is he a top five quarterback? Yeah. Do, you, do you pay him as such? Can you feel comfortable moving forward with him as the guy? Here's here's what I will say. I, I will say yes. Um, I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, I thought he threw the ball. Man, he had the deep one to Devontae Smith down the sideline that he ended up dropping. He had the deep one to uh, to A.J. that was a touchdown. Um, same coverage through another deep one to A.J. that almost got picked, but, you know, it, it fell to the ground. He had the great throw on the corner route to Goddard that was just over the fall, the, the safety that fell off, who was in a basically rolled up as underneath cover guy, like a cover two where he's rolled up shallow and he jumps deep to try to knock that down and it just gets over his outstretched fingers to Goddard who makes the spectacular catch on the sideline that had to get reviewed. Like he made some throws. Um, So yeah, I, I, you know, here's the difference between here's the difference between why I would pay Hertz and why I would be hesitant to pay Lamar. And I know Lamar is, is a MVP, but Hertz I think can I think can continue to develop to eviscerate you from the pocket as well as having the skills to run and do all those things where I think the strength of Lamar's game is still running around you know is still the off is still the off schedule is still the run game first slash you know make them Play eight guys in the bot, make them get one on ones on the outside, and then attack the out, like attack the slants, attack the over routes, attack. Like, I just think that when push comes to shove, Jalen can beat you from the pocket on a more consistent basis than than Lamar Jackson can. So yeah, I think he's established himself as one of the better ones, which is great for you because you're a khaki pants guy anyhow, right? You're a second to fourth round. Quarterback hey, guy, develop I, those well, guys. Well, that's, that's always been my argument, that you don't have to overdraft a quarterback high up in the first round. Find a guy that you like that's got those intangibles that you think you can develop, you see something, and go ahead and do it. And, boy, Jalen Hurts is proof of that. He certainly is, but just wait until, uh, until you know, Baker Mayfield and, yeah. and Sam Darnold and uh, Josh, Josh Rosen find their groove. Oh, then, then they end up they, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they go straight beyond, straight, straight past. Straight to Canton. Yes, straight Do past. not pass go. Do Absolutely. not collect 200. It's exactly what will happen. So, anyhow. Um, yeah, I, I, but I will say this. I don't know that it's the best Super Bowl in history, but no. it's, it's one of the top. It's It's got to be a top five game, does yeah. it not? And just imagine if we had had that ending, you know, 
Oh, where Jalen Hurts gets the ball with a minute and 45. 40 seconds left down three. Down one timeout left. And one timeout. See what happens. We that, were robbed of that. That would have been that would have been a great that would have been a great potential great ending until Johnny Law snapped it right Johnny from Law. Johnny Law just came in there and said, "Nope, not going to happen on my watch." <laughs> Tell you that right now. Law and order. Yes. <laughs> All these shenanigans. We're not having any of that. Anyhow, for everybody involved in the Sync Truth podcast, for Mike, I'm Mark Millennial, been producing the show. We thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.